Good Thursday morning to everybody and welcome to On Texas Football Today, also known as Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, let's start with Sark's presser yesterday. He mentioned a couple players by name, such as Keelan Robinson, Jonathan Brooks, Jaron Thompson. Uh, why don't you, Bobby, I'll kick it over to you. Why don't you run down what he said and what you think about it? Yeah, Sark actually didn't go to the presser yesterday. Uh, he he provided those players to to the press members. Um, yes, you know, a couple <laughs> things. Yeah, I, I know you know that, Blake. You're just getting it out there, getting going for us this morning. Um, hey, the the thought process that that I saw is interesting. That he had both Keelan and Jonathan Brooks. They're the elder statesmen of the Texas backfield at this point, even more so than Quinn Ewers. They've been in the program longer than Quinn, uh, et cetera. Jaron Thompson, uh, who is affectionately known by those in the program as Bug, B-U-G, <laughs> by the way, um, he was he was probably the most candid of the trio that went, and I thought the most interesting interview of the group. He had a lot to say. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, my immediate takeaway, though, was the fact that both Keelan Robinson and Jonathan Brooks were put before the media. Those yeah. are your top two running backs going into 2023. Cedric Baxter will play a role, though. Jerry? Yeah, and uh, apparently, uh, you know, I had somebody tell me yesterday that uh, the Tuesday night practice was maybe as much work as Cedric Baxter had gotten in a practice. So, uh, and then you have Jaden Blue. And, and so you have four really good running backs and Jaden Blue more in that Keelan Robinson role. Uh, but I loved – here's the one thing I loved about Keelan Robinson is he embraces special teams, guys. He actually said special teams is a way to earn a paycheck in the NFL. Very astute, very smart, and that's a guy. Look, we always talk about the star players, right, the difference makers, but how can you impact winning and help a team go from five to eight wins, eight to ten to eleven wins? It's guys like Keelan Robinson who just understand that I can make a big play to change the course of momentum in a game, blocking a punt, returning a kickoff. He had goals for kickoff returns. He knows he was close last year, Bobby and Blake, a couple times late in the season. He wants to get one for a touchdown this year. But I'll tell you the other thing is, um, um, is just how much he's bought into the team and the role. Because that guy was probably recruited to try to go hit the portal and be a starter somewhere else after last season. He was. No, no, no. That's not a- – Jerry, that's not a problem. I, I want to let you go ahead and say, yes, it happened. <laughs> yeah, it happened. Yeah. So, correct. Keep going. I'm sorry. I, I just want to make no, sure no, people, could, but, but people realize problem. Keelan Robinson was absolutely 100% tried to sway it in the portal. So, um, as, uh, so yeah, but buying into that role at Texas. You know, I wish somebody in the press conference would have asked him. This really irritated me yesterday. That everybody had a great opportunity. You were on Alabama teams that competed for the whole thing. Are you seeing anything similar with this Texas team? Nobody asked the question. The best question to ask him was right there. I would have loved to hear his answer, but we didn't get that chance. I I will say this. You're talking about people playing their role on the team, Jerry. That's where another role on this team is a guy like Jonathan Brooks, who sits for two years behind two NFL running backs. Yeah only to wait and bide his time to become the guy as a junior. So there are the, the, the thing that's great about what's happening at Texas in part right now is that there are multiple people fitting their roles and filling their roles. 
Brooks yeah. talked to specifically about, yeah, he was somewhat disappointed uh, about being behind Roshan and Bijan and not playing immediately, particularly early in his career. But then he had an attitude change somewhere between year one and year two, where he, he was like, look, I need to sit, step back, get my body healthy and try to figure things out so that I become a better player. He talks about taking mental reps in practice. I mean, no offense, guys, but when a guy, I, I, in his, as you go forward in this business and see it over a long period of time, the guys that take mental reps, true mental reps, guys, those are guys that are going to end up being very good when it comes to execution on game day. They're not going to miss a lot of things. And so doesn't mean he's going to be a perfect player. Doesn't mean he's Bijan too, right? But I, I I felt really strongly about what I heard from Jonathan Brooks. And he's also, he seemed like, both those guys, he seemed like fun, nice guys. Man. Hey, look, with Jonathan Brooks, the thing that stands out to me is because he was a small town player, led Howitz build a state championship game. The guy rushed for about 5,600 yards in two years and touched the ball dang near every snap to to sit on the sidelines and not know when you're going to play and not play a lot and stay at Texas and wait for your turn. That is why Bobby's been on Jonathan Brooks is kind of his breakout player going to have a good year chance to go to the NFL. That's one reason I hundred percent agree with Bobby is this guy was able to compartmentalize that. Okay. I have to wait for my turn. I have to put in the work. I touched the ball. I was a small town star, which I think is the hardest thing for the kids to go into the power five. If you're at a big school, you know, you're with other good players. You kind of have a feel for how this works or you're accustomed to it. Maybe you weren't on varsity as a freshman at Duncanville or DeSoto. John Tay Cook was, UT boy. But these small town guys are dominant players for so long and they touch the football so much that he stuck around and has waited for his turn says a lot about him and why he's going to be successful. Well, guys, the other thing that I wanted to touch on this morning before we get to questions and everything, Jerry, I know you had some important recruiting notes. Uh, you went and saw somebody yesterday and you have a little bit more to talk about. So give us the latest on Texas Longhorn recruiting. Yeah, I went over that Fort Bend Marshall High yesterday. Um, now they practice at six in the morning because it's so hot right now. <laughs> Texas UIL, once that temperature hits a certain degree, you can't be on the field in the afternoon. So there were more weight room team photos yesterday. But I talked to Joshua Lair. Uh, I call him the, the walking hit stick. I mean, he will knock your helmet into the stands and make your mom carry it to the car. I mean, that's how hard this guy hits people. But um, look, he. what was interesting yesterday is he now has Washington scheduled for an official visit again for the Oregon game. There's Josh Lair, underrated, but really, really good player. Really good player. Um, but I need to change his photo. I got a new one yesterday, by the way. So he has a Washington official visit scheduled for the Oregon game. That's October, mid-October. He had canceled Washington in June, but I think he was getting sick of the process. Uh, he visited LSU, Baylor, and then Texas. I think he was getting sick of the process, thought about committing, uh, late early July, didn't do that. Did not go to any schools that last week in July. Did not go anywhere. Um, and now he's talking about that Washington official visit. LSU no longer in the mix. It's down to Texas, Baylor, Washington. Now his mom does not want to see him go to Washington. I can tell you that from talking to him yesterday. 
So I really think this comes down to Texas and Baylor. He, the main thing he told me yesterday is he's texting, talking with Sark three times a week and Blake Gideon every day. So if people are wondering if Texas is really recruiting Joshua Lair, the answer is yes, they're really recruiting Joshua Lair. Head coaches don't text back and forth with a prospect three times in a week unless they're really recruiting a prospect. So that uh, I think it's going to come down to, uh, you know, Texas Baylor. I think he'll stay closer to home. Dave Aranda's really selling him, and Dave Aranda's personally reaching out every day to him and the family. I mean, this is a personal recruitment for Dave Aranda because he thinks he's such a great star prospect and scheme fit. The other note I has. um, Jordan Ross commits August 21st out of Estavia Hills in Birmingham, four-star edge. He officially visited Texas June 16th through 18th. He's gotten to be buddies with Colin Simmons. I was told something last night um, that Texas would accept a commitment from Jordan Ross. They just don't know where they stand. This has been a different recruitment. I think Florida was the leader in June. A lot of people think Tennessee's been the leader. In the last 24, 36 hours, that may have changed a little bit. We'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. This is just a different recruitment. There's been teams come and go in this recruitment. Uh, but he's deciding August 21st. And I can tell you that based on what I was told last night, Texas would accept the commitment from Jordan Ross. They just don't know where they stand in the recruitment. He, he's kept it pretty close to the vest, Jerry. Yes. I mean, some some guys do that. And, uh, you know, there was a thought at one point that Tennessee was the unquestioned leader. Uh, in that recruitment. Now we're, we're waiting to see what happens next week. I think it's going to happen Monday, right? Uh, the yes. 21st. Um, so I, I would say a, a couple of other things are happening in recruiting right now. Um, the, the other thing that we want to mention is he has, Ross has a good relationship with Colin Simmons. Yeah. And they and met. Add for- that, Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. They add that to the mix, Jerry, as one of the fundamentals that, and why we're tracking that, that uh, recruitment right now. As far as Josh Lair is concerned, uh, let's be clear. I mean, Texas is recruiting him right as a star, Jerry. Yeah. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So, look, I, Texas is trying to get guys. And, and Jerry and I have talked about this, and, and we've mentioned it ad nauseum, I guess. Uh, Texas is trying to get guys that play through contact, no matter the position. Okay? That, that seems to be a fundamental, not only for Steve Sarkeesian, but for – Texas Director of Player Personnel, Billy Glasscock. Uh, now, Glasscock, for those that don't know, was formerly at Minnesota when Minnesota had a bunch of players drafted. Then he went over to NC State. They've had a bunch of players drafted for a mid-tier program, right, guys? Yeah. He's he's taking some of that same attitude about what he likes as players and guys long-term, and I really do believe that that's one of the fundamental uh, things that he is looking for in players. Can they play through contact? Are they football players first, regardless of everything else? Hey, hey Blake, let me hit on one thing. Somebody yeah. asked basketball about Aiden Sherrill, uh, who pushed back his commitment. He was going to Alabama. He pushed back that commitment date. He's 6'11", number, top 30 kid in the country. Possibility he visits Texas. Uh, Texas is in contact. Is anybody really going to upset Alabama? We'll see. All right, well, Bobby, you act, you know, we opened with the press conference. And I the first question I want to do is actually from the Inside Texas Forums. And it's from Texas Outsider. And he says, what does it say about that player's performance during camp that they've been chosen to speak to the media? 
Does Sark use it as a reward for players, or is it a harbinger of how that player has done in camp? How do y'all interpret that? I, I love that question because I actually saw it this morning as well, Blake, and I wanted to address it. And I kind of I kind of tried to at the outset, right, by saying that the fact that not only Keelan Robinson and Jonathan Brooks, both running backs, the elder statesmen, the upperclassmen, were the ones that went to the media uh, days. Jaron Thompson, a senior, a vocal leader on defense, was asked to be there. Uh, before, there's been Jalen Ford. Uh, there's been uh, Byron Murphy. Uh, who else, uh, Jerry? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Christian Jones Christian is Jones. another example. Sure. Yeah, uh, those guys have been asked to go before uh, the media. So uh, it's definitely a type. I think it's a team leader kind of role, uh, but also someone that Sark trusts to go up there and not, you know, be a crazy person, right? <laughs> and say all kinds of this crazy <laughs> stuff. I will say that I enjoyed of, of the three. If you want someone that has that that had character within the interview, apparently Keelan Robinson's a real jokester off the field. But in the vi- in the video or in the in the press conference, Jaron Thompson was just he was just candid. I felt like Jerry, did you, yeah. did you agree with that? Oh yeah, East Texas DB. I mean, I, they, I don't think they know any other way. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, look, same as Justin Wells, very candid. Just <laughs> guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to take one more question off the Inside Texas forums, and this one's from Augusta Horn, and he says, any idea when the SEC will announce the dates for the 2024 conference football schedule? I think they be, may be announced sometime this fall. Has Inside Texas heard anything? I have not. I have not. Yeah. The only thing is that, that almost to a T, they all go three games, bef- three preseason games before going into, into regular season schedule. Almost to a T. I think there may be a couple of a uh, a couple of uh, caveats to that or uh, exceptions, but uh, none that I know of. And I don't think te- I think Texas already has their preseason games set for next year as well as the dates. So beyond that, uh, it's anybody's guess. By the way, I want to say again. I said it yesterday. I love all the comments where people are saying checking in from here, checking in. I mean, we have Philly this morning. We have other places. That's so cool to see. Thank you, all you guys. Definitely. All right, guys, this question from Brett H is an interesting one. He says, knowing the sources, you guys have obviously uh, they are bullish on a lot of what's going on this fall camp. How does their confidence relate to other intel you've received in the years past? Good question. Uh, It is. Um, Let's start. I I interviewed Matt Miller yesterday, guys. Uh, I don't know if everybody saw that or not, but he's ESPN's draft analyst uh, or one of them. Uh, And I found him to be maybe the most knowledgeable draft guy I've talked to uh, on a team by team basis. And and what I mean by that, a lot of national guys have that, that knowledge on the, on the, on the surface, but they can't necessarily go deeper. Uh, Matt Miller could go deeper on Texas. Um, And uh, what he said yesterday is he thinks that eight to 10 uh, Longhorns get drafted. The reality of it is, is that's why people are bullish. And that's why there's a difference. I mean, Texas, I went back and did the research. Texas last had more than six players drafted in a single draft in 2007. So they had seven players. Coming off the national championship team, they had six players drafted. Right now, Matt Miller is projecting eight to 10 potential Longhorns drafted. That gives you a sense of what we've been talking about. 
and why everybody is so bullish. Uh, the recent high, I think, was 2018. I can't remember the year, yep. um, but it was like five or so. Yeah, last year was five. Uh, they've had six uh, one other time, I think, in the last 15 years. But that's why people have been so high on the Longhorns. It's not just this typical preseason hype because you're Texas and the Big 12 is a mediocre conference, some people believe. Therefore, let's put Texas up there because they're going to have the most talent. There's actually some other thoughts going on behind the scenes that aren't just that prototypical national media narrative. They're actually NFL scouts talking about the value of Texas this year. Yes. That, Brett H., if, if I had to encapsulate what I'm talking about in that regard, that would be it. I've been saying the depth across all positions is much improved. Um, and frankly, eight to ten uh Eight to 10 draft picks is, is legitimate. I think that the class, not immediately after this, but the class after that will keep that rolling, that number rolling. Because they've, I'm telling you, early, Jerry and I are going to talk later today about, you know, trying to break down all the defensive freshmen coming that have come into the program in the last year uh, or last six months or so. Uh, you know, it's, it's a really, really strong list, guys. I mean, top to bottom. <laughs> Yeah, um, and we actually had a question earlier in the chat about the 2022 D-line edge guys. Why are they not breaking through? Uh, I want us to address that in a second. Somebody asked about Cooper Flag, best basketball prospect in the country. Texas is talking to Cooper Flag. We'll see if he makes an official visit. Duke's going to be tough to beat there. Um, I mean, you know, he looks like Christian Leitner, plays like Christian Leitner, but he's a better athlete. <laughs> so he's the new day, new day and age version of Christian Leitner. But Texas will try. Um 2022 D-line edge. I thought that was a great question. Let's get into that a little bit, guys. Um, because I just published a story in Inside Texas looking at the 2022 class, where these guys are at. There's 25 guys left in the program from the 28-man class. Three of uh, left, Brennan Thompson, Derek Brown, Travell Johnson, uh, a couple of linebackers and a wideout. Texas had a huge class of D when you com compared combine D-line and edge. And why have some of those guys not broken through? I think the one thing you have to remember, Nick Saban, actually, this was, there was a story on, I believe, Inside Texas yesterday, not Inside Texas, on On3 and ESPN uh, comments from Saban yesterday, that player development is still the key on the offensive and defensive line. And I think in the portal day and age, I think we're forgetting that a little bit, especially on the defensive line. <clears throat> we have Nathan O'Neill join us from time to time, the best pass rush specialist coach instructor in the country and he says that people don't understand how long it takes these guys to develop as pass rushers and then you get to the physical physical part i mean jerry bledsoe's 15 16 pounds heavier now than he was a year ago ethan burke's about 18 to 20 aaron bryant's about 15 to 18 i mean you know zach swanson's up about 20 22 pounds he's still only 270 he needs another year uh, but I think that's the thing that, you know, we want to – I know it's instant gratification, and that carries over the football and the recruiting, but football is still such a developmental sport, even with the portal, especially in the trenches. So, look, Jare Bledsoe's coming on. He would have had a couple of sacks Tuesday night. Uh, he's seen as more of a – than a flash guy now, and a guy that now 15 pounds heavier. He was as raw as any prospect. Him and Jamon Tap as raw technically as any prospects. Texas has recruited since Sark's been here. So those guys needed time to bake and learn and build their frames out. Jamon Tapp's 
carrying around 265 pounds now. Eric Nalin mentioned him uh, in Inside Texas report yesterday. He's starting to come on a little bit. These guys are going to find their way. I mean, and they're going to there's some of these guys are going to end up being drafted players, but it's not it's going to happen over time, Bobby. They they are um, <coughs> because Texas these guys weren't all five stars that were expected to be. Texas didn't necessarily recruit five stars at edge, right? And so you have to – it takes time. And I would say that they've got – the 2022 class can't be looked at as some kind of bust or something because two of their top three edges right now come from the 2022 class. Yeah. Ethan Burke and uh, Justice Finkley are two of their top three. You know, is Dre Bledsoe looks like he could be that three-to-five technique that – He's like an Alfred Collins starter kit, Jerry. In some in some ways, I know you're coughing there, uh, but the, the the idea being that he can play that inside outside role and still yep. have that athleticism, right? Yep. And so, Jamon Tap is a question mark. Chris Ross has been going back and forth inside outside. Uh, so I don't see 2022 being a down issue at all. They've already got one commitment, or they've already got one starter in Ethan Burke and the number one backup in Justice Finkley. So, yeah. I mean, that that being said, they weren't five stars coming in. So it takes time. Look, and, and the reality for me is they need a, two or three of these guys end up being draft picks, and it's a solid class. I mean, that that's where we're headed. They need Jure Bledsoe again. You'll see more than the flash this year. You'll see a guy that's going to make some plays and be disruptive, in my opinion. But it's 24 and 25. We're going to see what this guy can be. This is a very crucial year for him for all his hard work to pay off with success on the field. But I think you see him at a, with another 10, 12 pounds on that frame next year. I mean, pound for pound, he's as good an athlete as there is in the, in the program, period. But it takes time. He came from Bream on slash Marlin. It takes time, but watch out for him in 2024 and 25, but you'll see enough this year to get you excited for spring football. All right. And that super chat from 817, Mr. Talk Too Much. We want to thank him for asking about Jamon Tap. And uh, guys, we tuned in to On Texas Football, Coffee and Football. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Don't forget to head on over to InsideTexas.com for all the latest and greatest Longhorn coverage. And uh, let's get to some more super chats right here. This one from Kevin Nye. He says, guys, which edge prospect do you think is the best fit along with Simmons at Texas? Oh, man. Uh, that's Boy, that's putting me in the box on this show when a lot of people watch. Um, but <laughs> y'all hear y'all's questions and y'all want answers. It depends. I love Solomon Williams as a pass rusher. I, I think the more pass rushers you get, uh, the better. And I love him as a pass rusher, upside pass rusher. I love high Florida three-star ranked prospects that have a chip on their shoulder that maybe didn't get in the football till late. And those guys aren't even close to physically developed, even though he looks like he is in his photo. Um, Solomon Williams, I think, has a very high upside as a pass rusher. Um, you know, we talked about Jordan Ross more. It would be more in the run stopper role with length. Uh, that can get after the passer, but he's not got to do it more consistently. Zena, the same way as Jordan Ross. I see those guys very similarly. Um, Danny Akoy, again, hellacious athlete. A lot of upside there. Um, homeschool kid, going to need some time to develop. So, look, I think Texas is on the right guys, but I'm, I'm a heat-sinking missile on pass rush. And you got the best in the country. And Solomon Williams is one of the best in the country. So, 
I would love to see Solomon Williams in this class. I'm not sitting here predicting it, though. Uh, Texas is still talking to him about an official visit in the fall. We'll see if that date gets scheduled. Uh, Alabama was the leader headed into August. Boy, you add Solomon Williams' pass rush ability to Colin Simmons' pass rush ability, Jerry. And that I, I get what you're talking about. Zena uh, Umiozulu is that long guy, too. Right. Uh, I think he could be a, a good complement as well or or would be uh, that that other type. The, the thing that's interesting to me is if Texas – and this is the Kwiatkowski defense. If they can get people that sit next to um, Sadir Mitchell – and really clog those defensive lines, then you can have those old LSU defenses that they lined up two jets on the outside right. and run upfield while still having a Glenn Dorsey in the middle. Right. You, you know what I mean? And oh, so yeah. that 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 would be a different element of defense that not everybody has seen from Texas, certainly not from Texas. Uh, but uh, that – I'm not so sure that that's not where Kwiatkowski wouldn't ultimately want to go if he gets the right pieces in the middle to to uh, to uh, uh, accommodate for that. So if you get the right pieces in the middle, then you can get more daring on the outside with guys like Solomon Williams and sure. Colin Simmons. All right, this next one, the super chat here from Poke Casino. Uh, thank you, Poke. He says, hook on Mon Texas football. Thanks for all the great and frequent videos y'all put out for us. Bobby, I, I wanted to mention a second ago, and I forgot, but we are now up to 17,000 subscribers. <laughs> so thank you guys for tuning in each and every day, for chatting with us and everything that y'all do. We uh, hey, look, I mean, we do this because we like this. Said it uh, a thousand times. Uh, I was talking to somebody last night that, that wanted to start uh, participating more with us or participate with us. And he's a former 20-year veteran of, of uh, sports journalism. And he, I, you know, he's a, he, he went to Texas, Texas fan, all this other stuff. We talked about it. And really one of the things that we like about it is we actually enjoy watching Texas football win or lose. It's, it's a passion for us. And I, and hopefully that comes out and uh, uh, y'all, y'all see it. And uh, we certainly wouldn't be able to do it if you guys weren't here with us, by the way. Uh, so we appreciate that. And uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying coffee and football because I think it's a great way to start the day. <laughs> I started already that way, right? It's just sharing with, with other people. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy this show and, and others that we have. And thank you guys and let all your friends know, look, and that's why I always say, if we can't get to your questions on one show, we will on the second, uh, next, another show. Just keep asking, man. We want to get all your questions answered. Um, uh, and so do it do it on the Inside Texas message boards yeah, too. On Inside Texas message boards too. Uh, by the way, we had a <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm gonna have some beef jerky on the way to Fort Worth uh, today. Um, but uh, look, we had a question earlier that I didn't get to. I, I thought was important. If Texas misses on Wingo and Hudson, what do they do at wide receiver? I wanted to mention this, Justin. We kind of teased it. We didn't tease it. We weren't. We were waiting to, for, to finalize what Justin Wells was going to write on Inside Texas yesterday. But there, uh, Jordan Anderson, receiver out of Newport Beach, which it feels like I need to make about four trips down there to watch him play this year to me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Jordan Anderson, an Oregon commitment, a really talented kid, four-star. Uh, he reached back out to Texas. Texas tried to get him in for an official visit. Um, they couldn't get that set up in June. But he's reached back out to Texas with renewed interest now. So we'll see. Uh, if Texas uh, re-engages there, I, I tend to think they will on some level. 
And people are asking, you know, what's changed? Why would Jordan Anderson, does that mean Wingo's not going to Texas? No, Jordan Anderson reached out to Texas. Maybe he doesn't want to go play in cold weather being from Newport Beach. Maybe he doesn't want to go play at Rutgers and, you know, Purdue and Indiana in October and November. And maybe he uh, likes the the idea of playing in the SEC and in better weather a little bit more. That's what, to me, is going to be interesting about the California schools, Oregon, recruiting now. There's some kids that aren't going to like, one, for their parents to travel across two, probably three time zones a lot of times. It's tougher travel and the weather combined with it. I'm interested, not that they won't recruit well, because they will, but there's going to be two or three kids peel on them because of that, in my opinion, in each class, guys. Makes sense. All right, we got a super chat here from T-Ball75, and bear with me here because it's a two-parter. Uh, from the way it was put in. He says, with Colin Simmons committed, do you think this makes our current edge players step it up, seeing they could get beat out next year? Heck yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that really happens in spring football with an early enrollee, though. It's one thing to see a guy's committed. People will turn on the tape. They've met Colin. They know Colin's confident, which he should be. If I had 33 tackles for loss and 22 sacks, I'd be pretty confident, too, okay, as a junior. But I think it's once you get there and the athleticism shows up on a day-to-day basis where guys are like, okay, this guy's a little different. We got to step the game up because this guy's a little different. <laughs> I mean, that to me, it's like when it hits you in the face. <laughs> uh, this question, I like this question. This is another super chat, guys. It's from DK Longhorn fan. He says, if you could scream one thing from the rooftop about this team or a single player, what would it be? I look, I'm going to go Jonathan Brooks because he doesn't get enough press. Um, I think you could easily say other players uh, like Kelvin Banks. I think he's the team's best player at this point. Uh, you could scream about uh, Byron Murphy. I think you could talk about A.D. Mitchell. He's come on. Um, I think Jalen Catalan needs more love right now based on what I'm hearing. Uh, but if I had to choose one, it would be Jonathan Brooks. And partially because of what I talked about earlier in the show, he's bided his time and learned mentally. He is a sign and a, a symbol of ongoing player development for Texas. He, he, If that makes sense to everybody, they should put a badge on him and say, this is how we develop players at Texas. Uh, so I, I would probably be screaming that because I think that will actually help Texas recruit next year and the year after, uh, et cetera. I'm stealing a good friend, Bobby Burton's line from year, two years ago, playmakers, Texas needs playmakers. <laughs> Texas now has playmakers, playmakers, more at, at a lot of positions. Steve Sarkeesian has brought playmakers to the Texas program because at the end of the day, when a game's tied 17-17 in the fourth quarter, somebody's got to step up and make a play. Coaches can put these guys in positions to make a play, but one of these guys has to make a play. And Texas now has multiple playmakers on both sides of the ball this season. For me, the most they've had in a while. And, and here's the thing. I think people only think about skill players as playmakers. Kelvin Banks is a playmaker. DJ Campbell in the run game is going to be a playmaker. Uh, 
Gunnar Helm can be a playmaker without touching the football. I think Texas has more playmakers than they've had in a long time. And on defense, Jalen Ford, Jalen Catalan, Byron Murphy, Baron Sorrell. I mean, you're getting more playmakers on the field at the same time. And you even have playmakers that are depth pieces now that if called upon are going to come in and impact winning. I call it impact winning. Bobby calls it playmaking. It all comes together. Keelan Robinson on special teams is a playmaker. And he said it yesterday, and he embraces it. It's playmakers for me because Texas has got more. And the more you have, the more games you win. I, you didn't even mention JT Sanders. Exactly. I mean, at the tight end position, there's not going to be many better than him. I, so I, to Jerry's point, it's, again, uh, it's like the NFL draft guy. It's not just one guy. It's the depth right now that is attracting NFL scouts to Austin. And I'll say this. And giving us the Kool-Aid that we're drinking so willingly. <laughs> I need some right now. <clears throat> can't stop coughing this morning. Uh, by the way, when one guy makes a play, it puts pressure on his teammate to make a play. That's where the playmaking really makes a team better. It's because there's competition to make the plays. These guys like each other. They like playing with each other. But if Jalen Catalan goes makes and makes some snatching interception, I guarantee you somebody else in that defensive backfield is going to say, you know what, I need to go make one too. I need to go make a play too. That's what just breeds – it's like anything else, man. Success breeds success. And that, the more playmakers you have, the more guys wanting to make a play you have. But they still have to be sound on the football field. But the ability to make plays is a difference right now. All right, we're going to take a question from the forums again over at Inside Texas. Uh, and they want you to elaborate a little bit on Jordan Ross, Jerry. It says, quick question. I'm confused about the Jordan Ross situation. For a while, all we heard was that teams were backing off. Um, but then we hear that Alabama's making a run to try and get involved. And now he's a take for Texas. Can you explain this a little bit more, Jerry? Well, some of that was bad information, and that happens in recruiting thing, or things change. There was a report that maybe Tennessee was backing off Jordan Ross. No, that Tennessee hasn't backed off Jordan Ross. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know where that came from, uh, but look, that, that's recruiting. I mean, that, there's going to be. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Some pieces intel that are, are end up being not correct or maybe change. Um, but Tennessee never backed off Jordan Ross, which it was out there. I think at one point in time, people said Florida and Tennessee had. Tennessee hasn't backed off him. They want Jordan Ross. Um, look, I think the interesting thing with Texas is – and Alabama, look, Jordan's maintained 
he wants to go out of state for college. We'll see if Auburn also tries to make a late run here. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think all, I, I, Bobby mentioned it in a text the other, yesterday, and I said, yeah, you know, we'll see if Auburn tries to make a run here late, like Alabama's trying to make a run here late. Um, but with Texas, it's interesting. He visited June 16th through 18th, <clears throat> and they had flight issues, not on the Texas and all, but just flight issues getting in and then getting back home. So he didn't get the full vi official visit experience because they were a few hours late getting in. But his mom's worked in education for about two decades. Um, and I, I know they really like the education piece at the University of Texas. Um, is that enough for Texas to win out? It, it's just a different recruitment because it, it there hasn't been a point in time where myself, Bobby, anybody, Justin Wells, anybody uh, with Texas, even people that don't cover Texas on the On3 network have heard Texas could win this recruitment. That So – that's what's different about it. But then last night, you know, getting the text saying we, you know, yeah, Jordan Ross is a take, but I'm not sure where we're stand on it. That's I think that gives a little glimpse into Jordan Ross's recruitment as a whole. Hey, I, hey Jerry, been wondering, Jerry, can you give them the, the latest? I mean, because one that we haven't talked about in a couple of days that needs to be talked about Dominic McKinley's recruitment. Not necessarily that you have new breaking news here, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, David Williams asked this question. Give give folks a little update of where we know that to be. This is the big defensive tackle out of Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, Acadiana High School, I believe. Yeah, a five star, six five, two seventy five, runs four seven. Looks like Alfred Collins, uh, athletic like Alfred Collins. Um, he, he's pretty much taken the week off from uh, speaking with college coaches. Him and his family. First week of school, they're taking a week to just kind of sit back, talk about this whole recruiting process, getting closer to the decision, which will be announced September 1st. Um, I, I continued here at Texas and has some confidence there. Um, I know a couple of weeks ago, the Oklahoma side of things thought Texas was maybe a 60-40 leader over them. Um, Ohio State believes they have a chance. Larry Johnson's done a good job in this. I think AM's more wondering where they're at in it, which is probably not good. Um, and I think LSU made up some ground <clears throat> that July 27th visit with him and his little brother and uh, mom, but is it enough to win right now? It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't feel like it. Things can change. It's There's two weeks until September 1st. Uh, but right now, I think the odds are still better for Texas, maybe Oklahoma, uh, maybe o Ohio State. Be interesting to see how it all unfolds. That's for sure. All right, guys. Jimmy Trevino with the super chat says Houston blend again this morning. Which player are you guys most excited to see week one? Quinn yours for me. I agree. I, I think, I think that, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that uh, he's going to be the most exciting player on the field, but I think so much of what he shows us in week one will tell us what, kind of maturing he's done in the off season and whether it's something that we can all count on going forward. Um, and so that for me, I, and, and excited may not be the right word, anticipating to see where he goes with things, because I think we know what uh, Jaron Thompson and Jalen Ford and even Xavier Worthy are capable of JT Sanders. Those are exciting players. Um, but uh, really, I'm, I'm most anticipating Quinn Ewers because I, I want to see what strides he's officially made. For me, um, I'm going Anthony Hill. 
Here's why. Here's why. Um, we know he's going to be a really good player. But if he shows pass rush ability in game one, I think that's going to change the way we all look at this, where this Texas defense can go. I think we know he's going to find the football. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to start and play 55 snaps. But what I think the most important thing to see from Anthony Hill in game one is he gets pressure on the quarterback. Because that takes Texas to another level for me if you have a true freshman who's going to add that ability to what are already knowns around the players returning. And I just couldn't see, say Quinn Ewers because then we both talking about the same thing. <laughs> All right, Nathan asks, what is the team schedule to finish up camp? Do they start game plan for week one next week? Yeah, uh, so here's the here's the game plan. The rest of this week they're, they're going to uh, – do practice times at different times, but the following week, so the 21st, uh, when uh, Jordan Ross makes his decision, uh, starts school for the University of Texas. So when that occurs, Texas moves all of its workouts to early morning. Now, they may have a Friday afternoon walkthrough type thing, but all the workouts then go to the morning. Saturday, this coming Saturday, is their second scrimmage of the fall camp, they will not have a third, to my knowledge. Um, and this second of fall scrimmage will basically be, this is going to be, it's where we'll find out and they'll solidify to some degree the depth chart. Uh, this is a big, big scrimmage coming up. Uh, they got a sense of that on Saturday. I think they're continuing to work through things right now. But after this coming Saturday, you're going to see that happen. And then game planning officially begins for probably the first three to four games. They'll try, they'll start trying to uh, push stuff in there. All right. Our next question comes from Shavan Patel and it says, good morning. Texas usually plays in close games that come down the stretch. How are y'all feeling about the kicking game? Great question. Um, I, I feel solid about Bird Auburn in year two. I feel solid about Will Stone kicking off in year two. I think he's got a stronger leg. I think Jeff Banks kind of predicted that. I feel really good about the punting game, Ryan Sanborn, his experience and a, a field flip from a momentum standpoint late in the game or uh, a pinning uh, the opponent down inside the 10. Some of those things I think he can bring to the table are big. Um, look, I think all those guys have experience. So I feel good about the kicking game, Bobby and Blake, because they have experience. And, and you know, Bert's had them. He's put the ball down and had to kick it in some tight situations last year. Definitely. Bobby, anything to add? No, I, I just like, uh, I, you know what we didn't mention, Jerry, in the outset about the kicking game, uh, punting. Uh, one of the things that George, uh, Keelan Robinson said, he actually put numbers out there for what he wanted to accomplish this year. Yeah. And I think that's, that's worth mentioning in this context. He said he wanted to get two blocks, two pump blocks. That's his personal goal. And then two kick returns for a touchdown. Those are those are his personal goals. One kick return for a touchdown would be great. Let's just yeah. be clear. But his personal goal is right now two blocks, two pump blocks, two kick returns for a touchdown. Very ambitious goals for sure. All right, guys. William Niche says in the uh, super chat. Thank you, William. What single Texas loss over the last decade do you feel set the program back? A loss that had you fuming. Okay, so when I first read this, I, I got I was fuming because of a recruit. Um, 
But I read that incorrectly because JT Barrett had me fuming years ago that you wouldn't take two quarterbacks <laughs> in the same class with Tyrone Swoops, who wasn't a for sure quarterback. And JT Barrett would have done anything to be at Texas, and that would have changed uh, a lot of things, in my opinion. Um, I, is anyone come to y'all's mind? I mean, <clears throat> I don't know about set the program back, but kept you from getting momentum. Maybe I that's the, the same thing. So I think the loss at – there's a couple of losses that are memorable to me. Um, I felt like the loss for Charlie Strong at Kansas oh. was brutal. Brutal. Because that, that just meant, okay, there's got to be a change. Okay. And then the loss two years ago uh, to Iowa State at Iowa State – at the time, I thought it was demoralizing. And then a day later, a video came out of Bo Davis. Yeah. And that demoralizing piece turned on its head almost immediately. Great point. Um, because they had just got their, you know what, beat 31 to 7. It was an ugly loss. They got the crap beat out of them by a team that wasn't very good. It was decent. I mean, NFL starter at quarterback, I guess. Um and multiple other NFL players, but uh, that was a turning point for me uh, whenever Bo, Bo Davis did that. And I think Steve Sarkeesian didn't shy away from it and kind of embraced it. I mean, some people may have fired Bo Davis over that tirade, right, Jerry? Mm -hmm. I mean, that thing goes public. Uh, <laughs> I kind of feel that way. <laughs> it, was, it was the coach saying, mm, I think he's right. The head coach. 100%. Yeah. And so, I feel like uh, with that being all said, I, I feel like that was a turning point. Maybe the the most uh, demoralizing may have been at Baylor uh, when Colt McCoy or Case McCoy threw that pick. But I don't know if that was 2012-2013. Uh, near the end of the half, he threw. Texas was playing Baylor tight, had a chance to win the the, the Big Twelve that year, go to the Big Twelve championship game. Um, can't remember which, but. Colt McCoy threw a threw a pick uh, at the end of the half that gave Baylor a two score lead, and Baylor never really looked back. Uh, that was the that was a swan song year for for Matt Brown, and I think that his attempt to force Co Case McCoy to throw the ball there probably the reason why. I have two. One <clears throat> well, it turns into three. <clears throat> the USC comeback game mm -hmm. that was a big moment. But losing the Maryland two years in a row to start the season sets your, program, sets your program back. Great answer. Not a good look for Tom Herman. Giving up 51 freaking points at home to Maryland was pathetic, pitiful, embarrassing. And then going on the road and losing at Maryland the following year when you're supposed to. And they ended up having a good season, beat Georgia. But those two losses, those stick with me, have that stuck with me. You know what is is really, and this is a coach's hubris, okay? Um, the idea that Texas worked all spring and summer trying to use Malcolm Roach at middle linebacker. And all, all Maryland does is run jet sweeps all game long. And so a coach's hubris spends all this time with an NFL defensive lineman trying to make him a linebacker. How did they not know? Oh, through six months of time that in one week, Maryland would run jet sweeps and just totally blow up your, your defensive game plan almost for the entire year. 
yes, they rebounded to Jerry's point, but how is how does a coach that divorce from reality? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because he really was. I mean, Malcolm Roach as a middle linebacker. What what made you think that could happen? I mean, the guy's literally playing three tech in the NFL, right? <laughs> That's true. I mean. Oh man, lots of uh, lots of good answers in the chat as well. A lot, a lot of people weighing in on that. That's question. sad when Blake says there's a lots of answers. <laughs> All right, well, so turn this thing around this year, Stark. All right, you did good for five to eight wins. All right, here we go. All right, we got a question here from Colin Falk. He says, "Is Sorrell still looking like he's built on last year?" Much talk has been in the other side of the D line. Haven't heard too much detail about Sorrell's camp. Looks terrific. Absolutely looks like a million bucks. Uh, I mentioned this in the spring. Even from the fall to the spring, he looked good. It looked better. You could see a, a physical change in three months. Spring to summer, when I saw him a couple weeks ago, another improvement. I don't know what his ceiling is, but I will say this. It's higher than what I thought it was when he entered the University of Texas. And a lot of that is because he's maximized his ability. Uh, he's a good, that is a really, really strong young man. And I feel like he's playing himself again, the word development, he may be playing himself into an NFL deal in a year or two. So oh, somebody said, man. somebody jokingly asked if sweat should move the middle linebacker. This year. Well, <laughs> I mean, look, Todd Orlando on hey, line one. Hey, you know, why not? Try week two. How about that? Oh, man. I was laughing at some of those questions. I thought you laughing or comments. I thought you laughing too, Randy's got, Randy's got a good question. Let's get to that one. Randy, recruiting a lot of people don't. Who's the most important uncommitted athlete in your opinion? Bobby and I, Blake, we may all have different answers on this one. I'm anxious to hear. Yes, so am I. Bobby, go. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> um. I think it's probably Dom McKinley. I know a lot of people would say Kobe Black or another edge prospect or even Brandon Baker, uh, Ryan Wingo, another five-star, those guys. Um, but I, I think it's another edge. I, re I really do. Um, I, I feel like they've got to have another guy that can get after the quarterback, uh, that replenishes that room, because I don't see a ton of depth right now that I like at that position. Yeah. And I, and, and I said edge McKinley. I mean, yeah. Um, and I said edge and I meant defensive tackle. I don't know why I, I uh, had a brain spasm there, but <laughs> the depth at defensive tackle has to be better going into the sec. And furthermore, if Tavondre sweat, Byron Murphy and Alfred P Collins go pro, that room looks a lot thinner than it did this time. I mean, than it does this year. So that, that would be mine. Yeah, I, I, I would go with McKinley too, because I think they've addressed the large humans uh, very well with Alex January and DeAndre Robinson, two guys who I think will end up uh, industry ranking four stars or composite fours. Their rankings are going to go up as seniors. They're undervalued now. But McKinley's big because, look, he's still going to take some time to develop, um, not an early enrollee, I don't believe. He's going to take some time, but what that would do, you see Texas play, wanting them to play out for Collins outside a little bit of the, th the three-man front. That would give Jare Bledsoe, as he gets older, 
you have more ability to do things like that, the more depth and size you have on the interior. So I think it just makes the, the, the defensive front more versatile. Yes, Dominic McKinley is a hellacious talent himself. Uh, Alex January, DeAndre Robinson. But that all those pieces can help give P.K. Sark a chance to say, all right, Dre Bledsoe, he now understands this game and he understands what he's doing out here. And now we can move him out a little bit more where he can still be a difference maker because he's a better athlete than anybody we've put out there before. All right, these next two questions, Bobby, are kind of programming questions. So I want to go ahead and get them out of the way so you can address this. This first one from Ford Parker says, are y'all changing up the video content and scheduling once the season starts? A little bit. That. Yeah, a little bit. We're going to tweak it a little bit. I mean, this eight to nine show every uh, Monday through Friday will, will be there. Uh, we've also got new things coming that, that are repeats from last year, like lunch with the coach. That'll be on uh, coming on on Mondays. Uh, now, so we'll we'll get that going. Uh, we'll also be doing uh, various other things on game day and post game. Uh, we've got stuff new that's going to come on Sundays post game because I think uh, you guys, you know, we can. There's better ways that we can uh, really dive deep on the game. There's a, a prediction thing that I want to do with Paul Wadlington. I mean, he's been popular at some levels, so we, we want to go a little deeper on that. Ian Boyd. And the X's and O's show is, is coming a little bit. So we've got a mix of a half dozen things. Uh, nothing majorly different, though. I mean, I think that I like the uh, I like the camaraderie we have here. I like the people we have. Uh, adding to it is good. I don't want to just wholesale change what we're doing because I, I think we got a good thing going and we just need to keep making it better, hopefully, and, and more informative for you guys. And then, of course, you just answered Pope Casino's super chat question. Will lunch with the coach be coming back before season or during season? And then he says, also, week one, watch out. Texas could have close to 600 yards total offense. <laughs> Bye, guys. Uh, hey, Bobby, I want you to take – we've had so many more new subscribers, and we have 900 people online right now around there. Tell people lunch with the coach who that is, why that matters. Yeah, it's a, it's a Brian Irwin is a former high school head football coach around the state from – he was in the – Houston area, Central Texas. He was up in uh, the DFW area at uh, in Flower Mound. Uh, he is a two-time state champion at Lamarck High School, uh, and he went into private business about 10 years ago. Uh, but Brian and I were actually at Texas at the same time together. He was a student assistant for David McWilliams, ended up being a graduate assistant while I was taping uh, the, uh, the practices breaking down the recruiting film, et cetera, for the coaches, et cetera. So we we kind of know each other from 30 years back and have always kept in, in a little bit of contact with one another. And uh, he and I got to talking about two years ago about what, what you know, would he like to come on and do something? He didn't have a ton of time because he's in private business, but he said, I can do 30 minutes a week because he loves Texas football and he watches every game. And uh, so every Monday during the season, uh, he and I try to get together and talk about that. And the, or the, the, the reality of it is I got the idea because I actually went to something called lunch with the coach in college when David McWilliams was the head coach. And so that's the uh, genesis of the name and where it comes from. But uh, hopefully people like that and enjoy that. Uh, we're going to have some other guests join us this year, too, which I, which I hope people like. And I want to say this about Coach Irwin. I, I first met him when he was at Lamarck. <clears throat> And I went down to see this little 5'9 linebacker that was knocking people out, Rashad Babineau. 
Bobbin up. <laughs> Matt Brown, and this is Coach Irwin has a really good set of evaluation eyes. And that's why I loved when Bobby said he was going to be a part of on Texas football. Matt, he convinced Matt Brown to take Bobbin up. And he said, This guy is leading me to state championships, and he will help you win a national championship. And that guy ended up starting as a freshman on the national championship team. Brian Irwin knows what he's talking about. He's got a good set of football eyes. I agree. Hooahin Golfer says, do one with Coach Live where we can ask questions. Not a bad we idea. may do that. Um, you know, part of this is he's got he's got other uh, responsibilities, but he's a Brian's a good guy. He'll listen. He'll uh, take questions uh, and that sort of thing. And, and we may do a, a lunch with the coach with questions where you, you guys can write in as well. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Bobby, you interviewed Matt Miller. That video, if y'all if y'all haven't seen it, you need to go check it out. It's up on YouTube or Spotify, whatever you want to listen to. But this question from Isaac Darden kind of has to do with that. It says, in what ways do you think you guys think that Whittington can get enough production to be selected in the draft? I, I think he's going to have enough tape already. Um, I think that they need to do more RPO with him this year. Um, more glance routes, uh, him getting open in those and getting off of press coverage is going to be particularly important because he's not, he's not Xavier worthy in that stop, start quick mode. He's pretty quick. Don't get me wrong. Plenty quick. Uh, but that's going to make him, uh, more valuable. The other thing that Jordan has to do is he has to be able to catch, show a better catch radius than he sh showed last year. Um, he at times short arms some balls. If they were low, he's got to be able to go down and get them. Um, and so I think those are the things he has to do better. I think the other big thing for him will be checking out medically when the when these uh, good point when these uh, franchises or start really taking a look at him. Yeah, that's going to be big for him and how and and really how he runs. I think I agree with Bobby. He's going to have the tape, and he has an NFL draftable grade headed into this year. That doesn't mean he's going to be drafted because a lot of underclassmen jump in. But he's got a he's got a draftable grade headed into this year. Right, this next question is a recruiting one from E Kim, and he says, "Jerry, how does the crop of twenty five offensive linemen recruits look like? The next high school Texas should have a football talent pipeline to is Fort Ben Marshall." I agree on Fort Ben Marshall. They have a twenty twenty six kid. I put a, a huddle tape up on Inside Texas this morning on the Josh Lair thread and Texas is offering him Isaiah Williams and the Marshall staff's had a lot of good players come through and they think this kid has a chance to be the best they've had and one of the top players in the country. He is a really talented safety. They have a 2025 corner, Caleb Chester, who is at Texas late July. Texas is offered. They really like his upside. Uh, Marshall's going to do those dudes can run. They almost broke the four by one longstanding national record last year. Um, then didn't get it done after that because of some weather issues uh, potentially, but the ton of talent at Fort Ben Marshall, and they're going to keep having guys that can really run there. I, I, they may not have as much size as they once did. I'll tell you this about Marshall before I get the 25 offensive line. They have a 6'6", 250 pound edge defensive end who came off the basketball court and he's out for football. I saw him when I was there for a practice uh, or a workout in August or earlier in maybe July before these August practice. I was there yesterday again. He's from South Dakota, I think, or North Dakota wanted to move to Texas, was a basketball guy. He's on the football field. 
And if his tape matches his talent this year, he's going to end up with 20 offers. So there's some still some senior risers out there. Uh, 2025 OLs, Michael Fasusi at Louisville is as athletic as you'll see a tackle. He may not have the same thickness of frame that Kelvin Banks does. He's now 6'4", 324. Um, I think it may take Fasusi longer to kind of build that frame. But as far as foot quickness, body quickness, knee bend, reactive quickness, combined with length, and hand size, man, that guy's got a lot of juice now. And then there's Ty Haywood at Denton Ryan, who's got some work to do, talented offensive tackle, uh, offensive line prospect. There's a kid that Texas really likes, Jackson Christian at Port Natchez Groves. Britt Rasco's brought him up in the comments before. I think Texas leads for uh, Jackson Christian. number of guys, there's uh, Jonte Newman over at Bridgeland and Cypress and, and a few other guys. There's a lot of talent. On the off the big offensive tackle at Cedar Hill, who Texas offered after an impressive camp in June. Twenty twenty guy at Dickinson. The guy at Dickinson. Oh, sorry, thank you. I forgot one of the top guys. Tyler Thomas is probably number two tackle on the board for Texas at Dickinson High. So yeah, it's a it's gonna be another loaded offensive line class in Texas in that in that cycle. Hook him from Jacksonville, Florida, man. Or uh, working man working man. Did please tell me you bought a Powerball or a Mega Millions in Neptune Beach two weeks ago? <laughs> if you did, it should be a pretty good super chat. <laughs> All right, Will Butler says, "Do you guys think Malik and or Arch are further along than where Quinn was at this point last season?" I do. I do. Um, Arch was further along than Quinn from a. Uh, preparation standpoint in my opinion uh, because he ran a similar offense in high school it wasn't as wide open as as what it was more pro style than what uh Quinn Ewers ran in in uh in high school furthermore he's a Manning and so he's been doing this for a long long time and being coached at a high high level for a long time and then Malik Murphy's just older and more physically developed than what Quinn Ewers was a year ago now I'm not saying either of them are better but I think they're more prepared and further along than what Quinn was at the same time last year. Jerry, you, you agree with that? You've seen him. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I think Arch, from a just a coverage standpoint, uh, growing up in the position, uh, the quarterback position, working with the same guy, David Moore, since he was in third grade, there's a lot of continuity there. That's somebody who's had the same set of eyes on Arch – for how many years now? So that's important too. Um, but yeah, I think so. Malik, Malik's interesting to me because Malik is uh um he was he's been injured since he got to Texas, right? He, he he's just now getting full go. He went through a mechanical overhaul. So I think Quinn's much farther along than where Malik was. Um, because I think anytime you come in and you go through a mechanical overhaul, man, that's tough. I mean, uh, there was a, we had a discussion on Inside Texas about that. It's kind of like shooting a free throw, and then you get in the game and you're having to shoot the basketball off the dribble, okay, and after you've changed your form. That takes time. you got to get in live situations and make sure that you're able to carry that over and you don't revert to what you've always done under duress. And so I think there's more. He, Malik needs more time. Uh, because that's such a big mechanical overhaul he's gone through. Arch, obviously, I think is farther along with Quinn uh, than was because of the uh, uh, things I mentioned. Uh, we got a few super chats we need to knock out, guys. This first one from Justin McMill- McMillan. Excuse me. He says, "What will it take for the Longhorns to get back to that 2005 mentality?" 
they need to kick some butt. I, that 2005 mentality, like if the, the team they were playing wasn't ready to go, it was an avalanche. <laughs> Let's just be clear. And somewhat like that 2005 team, while there's no, no Vince Young on this team, to be clear, um, that 2005 team had Ramont's Taylor. I mean, Ramont's Taylor, you got to remember, he was just a piece of it. But remember how electric he was? I mean, that touchdown against Missouri. He leaps over. I mean, uh, Jamal Charles came out of the woodwork in that year, right? I mean, just just guys that could just score from anywhere on the field. They have to kick some butt. They need a they need to lay fifty on some people. Uh, Bobby, it goes back to what you've been saying for three years: playmakers. Yeah, Think no, about all the playmakers it. on those teams. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, the, the two thousand four team uh, that obviously beat Michigan. I mean, Derek Johnson. Cedric Benson, all the DBs. Think about all the playmakers on the 2005 team. You didn't know where the play was going to come from because they had so many playmakers. Aaron Ross didn't start. Michael Michael Huff won the won the um, Thorpe Award in that year. Michael Griffin made maybe the defensive intercept. Or definitely made the only interception of that game for Texas. But think about the play that Michael Griffin made, yep. and he wasn't the the star safety of that group at right. that time. I mean, you had Brian Arakpo coming off the bench making a play. <laughs> you had a lot of playmakers. And that's normally a lot of NFL draft picks, to be clear. But some all those guys aren't draft picks that make plays. They had a bunch of playmakers. No doubt about it. All right, guys. This next super chat here from Pocasino says, I played against Bobino and lunch with Coach ah. in 2004 state semifinals as a left guard. We didn't win, but Alamo Heights all day. Alamo Heights all day. <laughs> Makes that a hashtag. It probably already is. I'm not familiar with Alamo Heights hashtags. Oh, man. All right. Another super chat here from Shillsbury. Thank you, Shillsbury. He says, can Jade Barron post a better year than 2016 Buda Baker? Does that get Texas back into the DBU conversation? So I don't know exactly how good a year Buda Baker had. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll bring that up in about two minutes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know exactly how good. Uh, Buda Baker is, I think, one of the best players in, in the league right now in the secondary, right? Um, so – I don't know what kind of – I don't – I think Jade is a good player. I don't know if he's that level. Right, Jerry? I mean, do you, how good do you think Jade could be? In, I mean, look, Buda Baker had 70 tackles, uh, three sacks, five passes defended, two INTs. Um, that, that would be a big year for, for any DB. And a forced fumble. <laughs> a forced fumble. Um, hey, by the way um, – yeah, we'll see. What were Jalen Catalan's stats that first year, that all freshman All-American year at Arkansas? I think it was 99, five interceptions. I mean, in the SEC West at the time, which is rolling ball of butcher knives. I mean, I think Texas has two guys that can be that level playmaker. But I'm not saying it's better players than Buda Baker as a pro. We're talking playmakers in college. Yeah, you're right. Catalan with nine, nine tackles. Uh, let's see here. Two forced fumbles and three interceptions and one for a touchdown. Nine, nine tackles in the SEC West as a, as, as a redshirt yeah. freshman. 51 oh solo tackles, 48 assisted. And then uh, he also broke up four passes. That's, that's your first year starting in college football. I mean, it, it sucks the guy's <laughs> been so injured. God. 
Texas right. just Texas just needs eight healthy games out of Catalan, and he's going to make a <laughs> big difference. All right, our next super chat is from Jake Hernandez, and he says, "Which position has the most to prove this season?" Interesting I think this question. Is an easy answer: Edge. For me, the, I, there's I, two: Edge and quarterback. Yeah, well, quarterback. Yeah, I, I, um, Edge. You know, I think Baron Sorrell is going to be better player this year. Um, I think Ethan Burke, year two, 20 pounds on him. Um, Justice Finkley, who Steve Sarkeesian mentioned press conference, is having is coming on in fall camp. Uh, where's that depth going to come from? Who's going to really step up um, uh, this year and try to take that position to the next level? Not that the position is going to be solved, but take it to the next level from what you saw last year. And I agree with Bobby on quarterback, obviously. I, I, I want to say this about um... – edge a little bit it's not so much that uh baron sorrell has anything to prove i, right. I want to say that like i think he's going to get six seven eight sacks he, he had five and a half last year it's the opposite side yeah i mean this scheme has to prove that ovia gufu is an anomaly as a pass rusher and just not very good is, is that i mean i'm not i'm not trying to be rude to ovi but he just no, not a sense. natural pass rusher. Right. And so this scheme at some level has to prove that that's that position they can get to the quarterback. And I think Ethan Burke is a more natural pass rusher. Uh, the question is, can he hold up against the run? So to Jerry's point, he picked edge. I picked quarterback because if, if Quinn had, did not have a good year last year, he had a typical freshman year. He, he is, if he is a first round draft pick, like many people predict, he needs to have that kind of year. For sure. All right. Two more Super Chats, guys. Then we better wrap it up. This one from Damon Chandler. He says, iron sharpens iron. How will someone like Galette, who has all the athletic ability but not as refined, benefit from playing with Colin Simmons, who is already elite with his craft? I don't I don't know. Yeah. Um, so Darian Galette is, just to be clear, he's a more powerful athlete than Colin Simmons. So I think they're going to play – different positions um but colin is is more of that true edge rusher that can bend the edge um iron sharpens iron is is i i just completely agree with it and i think steve sarkeesian does too and that's one of the reasons why he likes what he's got right now he's got young guys we mentioned jelani mcdonald Derek williams by the way uh, jaron thompson yesterday could not quit talking about Derek Williams in the press conference, like a lot. Those guys make the upperclassmen better. They end up learning more from the upperclassmen, the upperclassmen, then it's a, it's a ongoing cycle. That's one of the great things that's happened at Alabama for a decade now at Georgia for the last five or six years. Yes, they get draft picks, but those draft picks are getting drafted because they have good habits and, and good, uh, acumen on the field and then they just keep going uh, i think it's i think it's gonna be interesting uh, if texas can create that same type of atmosphere around its and culture around its program hey, by the way i, I g always give the guys that make the comments uh credit they brought up linebacker as a unit as far as most to prove and i i do agree Okay, last question, guys. This one from Chris King. Thank you, Chris, for the super chat. He says, honestly, if we have no injuries and Quinn takes the next step, do you guys believe or think that Texas will make the playoffs? 
I'm the pessimist. So, <laughs> so I say no. I, the more I say no, the more I, you know, genu you genuinely hope it happens for me. That's kind of how I, I work backwards from this. Uh, Jerry, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I mean, you got to go 11 and one, win the Big 12 championship and go be 12 and one. I mean, I, that's the reality of it. So, um, look, if that means you either got to beat Bama or if you lose to Bama, run the table after that, which means you got to win a lot of road games and go win the Big 12 championship. Feels like Texas is a year away from being that type of team. And obviously you'll be in the SEC next year. Um, feels like they are, but it's been done before. Um, so we'll see. I think, look, I think the Alabama game, uh, then they go paste rice. They need to send the rice band back home with nothing to say for the next 10 years because you need to go put up 60 to 7, 60 to 14. You need to look like a dominant team in your in week one. Then if you go play Bama a tight game and you don't lose because it's a night game at Bama and Nick slows the game down somehow on you um, and you're healthy after that, then you still can – we can still remember that week one and say, okay, you played a really good opponent on the road week two. Now go take care of business. After hey, that. Blake, before we get going, I want to make sure people yeah. know uh, Jerry is actually on his way to a speaking engagement. He's going to stop by a couple of high schools, I think, on the way up in Fort Worth tonight. So if you're a Fort Worth, Texas X, uh, make sure you check out their webpage. Jerry's going to be up there uh, tonight as well. I want to I give uh, my hat tip to Jerry on that too in the Fort Worth, Texas X is for having him up there. All right, yep. Be sure to catch catch Jerry up there if you can. And then, Bobby, do you have anything else coming up today that you need to get the word out? Yeah, Jerry and I are getting ready to, to after this, we're going to do a uh, recap of where we think all of the defensive recruits from the 2023 class sit. Uh, Blake, you and I and Jerry did the offense earlier this week. We, we think we need to do the defense now just to give everybody a sense of where everything's at. Uh, and then we've got some other stuff coming later in the day as well. All right, guys. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We definitely appreciate it. Appreciate all those super chats for sure. Be sure to like and subscribe. Don't forget to hit that little notification bell. It'll notify you whenever On Texas Football has a new video. And uh, don't forget also to head on over to InsideTexas.com for all the latest and greatest in Longhorn coverage. Um, other than that, I think that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football today, Coffee and Football. And for Jerry Hamilton and, Bo and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow.